Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone in the Libertarian Institute. We need a limited military draft, says military.com. You know, I am so grateful that people are in large part against things like forcing other people to pick cotton against their will. It's terribly immoral, absolutely evil. However, forcing someone to perform military service where they're more likely to get PTSD, get their limbs blown off, get killed, this appears to me to be far worse than, uh, th than something like forced cotton picking. However, both are bad, but I could be totally wrong. Let's hear out military.com to see what they have to say. It's time to change how our country fills the ranks of our military. Okay. The first two words are propaganda. Usually when people say it's time, usually it's going to be something completely ahistorical and it's going to be something completely unprincipled. Because you could say in 1981, the Soviets have crushed the Polish solidarity movement. The Soviets are moving westward. This is a great atrocity. It's time to uh, invoke military conscription because we really need to take these people on. In 1983, you could have said, well, the Soviets just shot down a civilian aircraft with a sitting congressman, Larry McDonald, on board, referred to as Korean Airlines Flight 007. Uh, but we can only address this if we have a huge military and we can't rely on volunteers. So at any point in history, you can say either we're really safe and now is the time to have the draft because it's not endangering too many people and we're only safe because of the military in a time of war. Well, we're, it's very dangerous out there. We need a military draft. So that is usually what it's time means. Um, also, if it's inherently justified, why is now any different than 50 years ago, 100 years ago, uh, completely unprincipled? He also refers to it as our military uh, doesn't seem like ours. I feel like I don't get much input when it comes to the Pentagon. Uh, all the w wars that uh, they're engaged in, I have opposed, and they don't really call me and say, hey, Keith, is uh, this something uh, you'd like us to do? Uh, would you like to fund this? Because if you don't want to fund it, you can opt out of funding it. Now, of course, they uh, require you to fund it through uh, coercive taxation, so... I don't know how it's ours. It certainly seems like a separate entity, considering they have the right to force us to fund them, and we don't have the right to force them to fund us. Article continues. Since 1775, our nation has used a combination of volunteers and draftees. I will say I appreciate he uh, it, it uses the uh, example, or the dichotomy, rather, of volunteers and draftees. In other, if, uh, in other words, if people aren't volunteering and giving their time voluntarily, the opposite of that is being drafted. To meet our national defense personnel needs, are they needs or wants? Vietnam, Korea, uh, when you say needs, does that mean the country's going to die, cease to exist? It, these seem like a lot of wants rather than needs. Even in 1775, there are uh, plenty of nations like Australia or um, South Africa or Canada who were part of the British Empire and uh, without a significant military conflict were able to secure their independence. These feel like wants, not needs.
meet our national defense personnel needs, especially in a time of crisis. Today, the military needs only about 160,000 youth from an eligible population of 30 million to meet its recruitment needs. We need this. We will die without it. Not a want. It's required. Just because something is a need doesn't mean you get to coerce people into it. Farming is an absolute need. Is it okay if Tyson Chicken and all the farming companies force people to perform labor against their will? We need cars. We need houses. Does that mean housing and construction companies have the right to coerce people to perform labor to provide these needs? So even if you agree that it is a need, which it isn't, doesn't justify you uh, coercing people to do such a thing. But after two decades of war, both of which ended unsuccess unsuccessfully, so this is an organization that just uh, is about needs, and the needs were unsuccessfully met, and the solution to this is not to make sure people can opt out of uh, funding the military or opt out of joining it. They need to require people to engage in this unsuccessful adventure. After two decades of war, both of which ended unsuccessfully, and low unemployment, many experts believe that the all-volunteer force has reached a breaking point. Oh, okay, I'm convinced. The experts believe. The experts have spoken. The science says that we uh, can't just uh, uh, allow people to interact voluntarily. And American confidence in its military is at a low <laughs> So when the confidence in your organization is bad, it's time to start forcing people to associate more with it. Not for you to change. No, you're just meeting the needs of the nation. No, other people need to be forced to interact with you. See, when you do a good job, then it's okay to force people to interact with you because you're doing a good thing. And when you're doing a bad job, when your last two wars have ended unsuccessfully, well, then you need to force people to uh, associate with you. Heads I win, tails you lose. The fastest and most effective way to resolve this recruiting crisis is to change how we recruit. It's just a change, you know, sort of like uh, Barack Obama ran on hope and change. We just need to uh, change something. There's no principles that we should abide by. We just need change. It's going to be fast and most effective Ooh, in, in invoking economic efficiency uh, when forcing people to perform labor against their will. Instead of an either, instead of an either an all voluntary force or fully conscripted force model, I propose a both and solution. Okay, this is the fallacy of equilibrium. We don't want to be extremists. We want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We want to meet right in the middle. This is like saying, well, um, I don't want to never steal. I don't want to always steal, so I guess I should steal sometimes. And I guess uh, if the a happy medium is something that's justified, I don't want to always, um, you know, dodge the draft. I don't want to never dodge the draft. So maybe half the people should dodge the draft half the time. We should have our military recruiters sign up new troops for 11 months out of the year, and then have the selective service draft, the Delta, between the military's needs 
and the total number recruited. Okay. This model would alleviate. Oh, he's just trying to alleviate us. It's going to be fast. It's going to be efficient. It, it's meeting needs. And it's alleviating. He's really doing you a favor. I, I need to send this man a thank you note. Alleviate the incredible pressure on our recruiters. So it's not that they need to provide a better service. They don't need to uh, improve their organization at all. They're actually under a lot of pressure. Lower the cost of finding new troops. Oh, yes. But military only gets like, you know, a trillion dollars a year. In, uh, in expenditures, they're just really worried about the cost. And significantly reduce the much decried civilian military gap. The fact that a gap exists is nothing terrible. There's a huge gap between pilots and customers of airlines. Some pilots will fly thousands and thousands of times and other people will never fly a plane in their entire life. So what? Nothing terrible about that. The much decried civilian military gap by subjugating all of America's, subjugating all of America's youth. That, that's a good way to put it. Rich and poor to the possibility of military service via the draft. Okay, so this is why progressives playing the class warfare game is so evil. Because then someone can come in and say, you know what? You're right. The problem is the rich. Therefore, we got to make them pay as well and have something like this. So when progressives never talk about anything like the non-aggression principle, this is totally in line with uh, with what they advocate. Because, you know, it's not it's not wrong that the military initiates violence against peaceful people in Yemen, Pakistan, Syria, Somalia, Afghanistan and Iraq. The problem is the rich are benefiting. So this opens you up to uh, class warfare nonsense. This increased public interest might also have the added effect of increasing public pressure to prevent open-ended wars. <sighs> so they don't prevent open-ended wars when people voluntarily associate with them. But when you have to associate with them, well, then they're going to do a good job. You know, we were going to do a bad job. But I guess we could do a good job if uh, we force people to associate with us. Led by unaccountable senior leaders, like we experience in our national debacles in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's important to know that uh, while Iraq is usually seen as the throwaway, oh, okay, yes, Iraq was a blunder, uh, the war in Afghanistan was also completely unjustified. In October, uh, 14th of 2001. Here is The Guardian. Bush rejects Taliban offer to hand bin Laden over. President George Bush rejected as non-negotiable an offer by the Taliban to discuss turning over Osama bin Laden if the United States ended the bombing in Afghanistan. Returning to the White House after a weekend at Camp David, the president said the bombing would not stop unless the ruling Taliban turned bin Laden over, turn his cohorts over, turn any hostages they hold over. He added, there's no need to discuss innocence or guilt. We know he's guilty. Up, oh, the experts have spoken. They knew he's guilty. In Jalalabad, Deputy Prime Minister Haji Abdul Kabir, the third most powerful figure in the ruling Taliban regime, 
told reporters that the Taliban would require evidence that bin Laden was behind the September 11th terrorist attack in the U.S., but added, we would be ready to hand him over to a third country. So they could have avoided that. That was one of the needless wars that the author mentions. And they didn't do it when people were voluntarily joining the military. But if they coerce you and you don't have the right to opt out, then they'll start making really good decisions. It's important to know uh, Afghanistan was completely unnecessary as well. So when it comes to meeting our military needs, these are not needs. These are wants for military industrial interests. And it's not like it's only, you know, them who benefit. Tons of soldiers get uh, amazing retirement packages and everything for uh, only a, a few years of work. Article continues. While the causes of our current recruiting crisis are many, the fastest and best solution, ooh, fast, efficient, he's alleviating, it's the best solution, lies within our already existing selective service system. This would obviously represent a seismic change given the more recent history of military drafts. In 1973, the draft was abolished with the establishment of an all-volunteer force driven largely by the American public's weariness with our debacle in Vietnam. So two unsuccessful wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. They concede that Vietnam was a debacle, not inherently immoral because they uh, murdered a lot of civilians in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia. And, you know, 58,000 American troops died um, in a war that was based on a uh, Gulf of Tonkin fake incident. No, no, no. This was just a debacle. See, when other countries murder civilians, it's inherently evil and we got to go to war. When the Pentagon and the U.S. regime murder innocent people, that was a debacle. That, uh, that was an accident, basically, more or less. Systemic inequities in the draft. Okay, and this is where we get the inequality myth coming back. Yeah, there are a lot of inequalities in the world, as if the existence of inequalities justifies performing forced labor against your will. Systemic inequities in the draft example, wealthier Americans being able to defer service, and the fact that the size of our population has become so large in relation to the needs of the military, universal drafting became obsolete. While the all-volunteer force had the effect of lowering discipline problems and professionalizing the force, it also created a vast gap between American citizens and those who serve. This is a disgusting division where, uh, just like under COVID, they said some people are essential workers. And then there's other people. That's extremely divisive. For someone who wants to close the gap between uh, members of uh, our Democratic Republic, he's actively saying there are people who serve and then there's American citizens. Uh, the people who work at restaurants do a great deal of serving and they give us food, which is required to live. Car mechanics give me car uh assistance, which allowed me to get to work and have a life. Those are great services as well. Let's not pretend that the military is completely unique in that aspect. Effectively creating a military warrior caste 
that now appears more like a multi-generational family business than an organization that represents the true makeup of our democratic republic. If you want to represent the democratic republic, you want to make sure that people have the freedom to disassociate with your organization. Because if you're forcing someone to associate with you, you don't know, maybe they like you, maybe they love you, maybe they hate you. But if they don't have the recognized right to opt out of funding it or participating with it, then it actually doesn't uh, reflect what people actually want. Um, it's like saying, uh, I want to see if people really like this uh, ice cream shop I'm opening up. Therefore, I'm going to require people to uh, be my customer and require them to eat the ice cream. Well, that's not how you see if you represent them. You offer them something voluntarily, and if they like if they say they like it, if they're return customers, then that's a good indicator that you're actually representing them. The establishment of the all-volunteer force also drove the military to expend an incredible amount of resources in terms of manpower and dollars to build a recruiting machine to attract America's youth to service. Yeah, so what? It's like, uh, you know, uh, if I can't uh, get women to voluntarily... Uh, date me, I I'm going to have to start coercing them because, I mean, I spend so much time trying to uh, get their attention and uh, my business, I spend so much time on marketing that it's really a waste. I should just be able to force people to uh, give me money and uh, force people to be my customers because, you know, I expend an incredible amount of resources in terms of manpower and dollars. Considering it costs about $15,000 to recruit each new member, the overall cost each year exceeds $2 billion. So they don't need to provide a better service. They don't need to be more honest. They don't need to declassify documents. They don't have to change anything on their side of the equation. What they have to do is start forcing us to associate with them. And recruitment has risen and fallen with the national unemployment rate. The causes of this crisis are many, and both politicians and our national leadership are largely to blame. Credit to this sentence right there. Not bad. For nearly a decade, feckless politicians using the military as a club to batter their opponents have exacerbated increasing negative public opinion, despite the fact that our military has crushed international terrorism and prevented another large-scale attack on our homeland for 22 years. Crushed international terrorism. So, uh, according to uh, CIA analysts, uh, September 11th, uh, or around September of uh, 2001, there were about 400 members of Al-Qaeda, 400 Mujahideen fighters who answered to uh, Osama bin Laden. There were tens of thousands of fighters for the Islamic State in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, uh, going as far as the Philippines in some cases. Um, they didn't crush it. They actually exacerbated it. Here is an example of, uh, of why it was exacerbated. Uh, Osama bin Laden wrote a message to the American people. American people, my speech to you is about the best way of avoiding a repeat performance of Manhattan, as well as the causes and consequences of the war. By way of introduction, 
Let me say that security is an indispensable pillar of human life and that free men do not forfeit their security, contrary to Bush's claims that we hate freedom. If that were true, then let him explain to us why we do not attack Sweden, for example. Freedom haters do not possess defiant spirits like those of the 19. May God have mercy on them. No, we fight because we are free men who do not slumber under oppression. We want to restore freedom to our nation, and just as you lay waste to our nation, we shall lay waste to yours. Only a witless wrongdoer plays with the security of others and then fools himself into thinking he will be secure, whereas rational people, when disaster strikes, make it a priority to look for its causes." God knows we would never have thought of striking the towers had we not seen such tyranny and oppression from the American-Israeli alliance against our people in Palestine and Lebanon. So uh, this is bin Laden going on explaining that uh, state terrorism is called freedom and democracy, while resistance is terrorism and intolerance. This means that millions of people must suffer oppression and embargo until death results as inflicted by Bush Sr. in Iraq in the greatest mass slaughter of children ever. So it was actually the military uh, interventions of Iraq, support for Israel, and occupation of the land of Mecca and Medina to bomb places like Iraq and enforce the starvation blockade. That is actually what caused the terrorism that this uh, author is claiming uh, that uh, the state protects us against. Also, uh, large-scale attack. Barack Obama did call the Pulse nightclub massacre the single largest uh, shooting in American history, even though the shooting at Wounded Knee killed uh, f far more people. But even the Pulse nightclub murderer, Omar Mateen, who got uh, on the phone with the FBI and said, tell America to stop bombing uh, Iraq and Syria. They're killing too many women and children. Tell the U.S. to stop collaborating with Russia. The drone strike... The drone strikes need to stop. They're killing too many women and children. Um, that was uh, clearly an example of blowback, as was 9-11 uh, and uh, the existence of al-Qaeda. So, um, yeah, the uh, entire war on terror uh, was completely avoidable and uh, is uh, the fault of uh, the U.S. government. Article continues. Despite this success, again, not a success, there were far more Mujahideen fighters as a cause of result of the war on terror than there were before. In 2023, every service except the Marine Corps is poised to miss its recruitment goals. We're not getting what we want. We don't have to change. You people have to be forced to associate with us. In 2022, the Army alone fell short by 15,000 recruits. The needs of the nation must be met. Great non sequitur. All right. The, the food needs of the nations must be met. Therefore, farming companies have the right to enslave people to work for them. Housing needs need to be met. Therefore, construction companies have the right to force people to perform construction against their will. Complete non sequitur. And our national leadership would be wise to reinforce the idea that military service is an important responsibility of citizenship. Yeah, parenting is a uh, important responsibility. Having a job, being kind to others is a vitally important responsibility of citizenship. Does not mean you get to coerce people and put them in a cage if they resist, threatening to 
kill them if they resist being put in a cage for not wanting to fight in wars based on lies, which you've conceded are unnecessary debacles. While conscription has always been a controversial issue, yes, yeah, slavery is controversial. Forced labor, I would say, uh, is a little controversial. Throughout our history, a hybrid model. Of, he's just finding a happy equilibrium. He's not really taking a side. He's saying we need balance. We can't have no murder. Also, we can't murder everyone. Therefore, we should murder some people. Would alleviate our current military manpower crisis. Increase the connectivity between the American public and its military and more responsibly use taxpayer dollars. No, that's not responsive. That's irresponsible to uh, coerce people to do things against their will. Holes in our military formations are, in fact, gaps in our national security. So they really need to keep the nation safe and keep it free. And the way to do that is to engage in the greatest violation of freedom known to man, which is kidnapping and enslavement and forced labor under the most dire circumstances for theft-funded wars based on lies. Thank you for watching Keith Knight Don't Tread on Anyone in the Libertarian Institute. Hope you enjoyed this propaganda analysis. Check out libertarianinstitute.org for more.